you're scrolling through your Instagram feed and you see plenty of parenting advice. On one hand, you hear, you should never say no to your child. But people around also tell you, you need to show who's boss. Or you also hear things like, if you don't sleep train, your baby will grow up to have sleep problems. And you see ads for programs like potty train your child in a weekend. Every day, I hear moms saying things like, Oh, I tried to do baby-led weaning, but it didn't work for me. So I ended up giving a puree. I failed as a mom. Or I hear, My three-year-old can't read yet. I'm so guilty. I failed. I also hear questions like, Is it true that watching YouTube videos makes your baby smarter? So do I need to get my baby started learning from YouTube? So how do you know what advice is right for you and your family? It can be overwhelming to sift through all the conflicting information and figure out what will work best for you. And that's where the Discerning Parenting Podcast comes in. We'll help you make informed decisions about parenting by providing you with research and insights and by helping you understand your own unique situation and your child's needs. Are there days you feel you've had it with the sleepless nights, the temper tantrums, the constant fatigue of trying to keep up with an active baby? Does it feel like you're always working so hard as a parent, trying to do everything for your kids and family, and yet it never feels enough? We get it. You love your child more than anything, and yet parenting is also exhausting and challenging, especially when you're bombarded with criticism and pressure to be the perfect parent, which, spoiler alert, does not exist. That's why we created Discerning Parenting, the podcast that helps you cut through the noise and focus on what truly matters in your parenting journey. This podcast is jam-packed with valuable insights and practical tips specifically tailored for parents of kids age 5 and below. So join us and discover how you can use the combined power of science, knowing your child, and your own intuition in making the best parenting decisions for you and your family. Before I became a parent, I thought parenting would be a breeze. After all, not only did I have the training and I've also worked with families, but I'd read all these books while I was pregnant about all these things that I wanted to do. But actually, being a parent was quite different. I ended up second-guessing myself. So I went and asked my mentors, who are experienced developmental pediatricians or clinical psychologists who were my professors in college, and they're also wonderful parents who've raised successful adults. And they smiled and they asked me, okay, if you were a parent that you were working with, what would you say? And this helped me take a step back and go back to the science and the research evidence. Yes, it's true. Sometimes it's easier to see it objectively when it's somebody else's situation versus when you are in that situation yourself. And I found that going back to what science says helps me remove the stress around parenting. And I want to help you do the same. I want to create a safe space for you in the midst of 
all the noise and mixed messages about parenting. So how do we know what advice to take and what to ignore? For every single parenting question out there, there are at least a thousand, if not thousands of answers. Whether it's sleep training or feeding your baby or what to do when your baby cries or which baby product to buy among the millions of baby products on the market, it's all very confusing. When we make parenting decisions, I believe we need to consider three things. First, the scientific evidence. By this, we mean research studies, well-conducted research studies, not just testimonials or reviews. Now, if you're deciding, let's say, which diaper bag to buy, go ahead, look at the reviews. I can relate with this because I'm a diaper bag junkie. My friends know that I bought so many diaper bags when my child was a baby. But I'll give you an example of a question where it's best to look at scientific evidence. Recently, I was talking with a parent who said that her relatives are telling her she needs to have her baby watch YouTube videos so her baby will be smarter. And actually, a lot of people also gave me this advice when my son was a baby. So for this question, will watching educational videos make your baby smarter? We need to look at the evidence. There's a lot, lot, lot of research evidence about babies and young kids and screen time. But to summarize it here, research shows that kids who spend a lot of time on screens tend to have less well-developed parts of the brain, including the parts that are needed for language and literacy and emotional regulation. They also tend to have weaker language skills, and lower scores on tests of language processing, vocabulary, and literacy tests. And they also have greater chances of being diagnosed with language and cognitive delays. And this is based on several studies, including one research that combined the results of 42 different research studies that included a total of 20,000 children. This study showed that more screen time and also having the television on in the background was associated with weaker language skills. And what is a very important protective factor is a later onset of screen use. This means that if you introduce videos to baby earlier, it's not going to make them smarter. But you're actually taking away a protective factor because research shows that if you delay screen time, it's a protective factor. So here's an example of a question where you can get a lot of different advice and you need to be able to look at the research to help you discern what you should do in making that parenting decision. Now, recently, I also encountered a new product on the market. I won't mention what the product is, but the product has excellent marketing. But the American Academy of Pediatrics released a statement saying it's not safe. 
but the parent received advice from a quote-unquote expert that, well, as long as you follow the instructions, it's not going to be dangerous. It's going to be safe. So I went to the website and there were lots of testimonials and a lot of statements saying it's safety tested. But there's not one single research study to show that it works or that it's safe. So testimonials or reviews by themselves are not proof that something works. Because I'm sure you've experienced this, or maybe you will, as a parent. One friend will tell you, oh, when my child was a baby, I ignored his crying. And look at him now. He's so independent. And then another friend will say, when my child was a baby, I always carried him. And look at him now. He's so independent. I'm glad I carried him a lot back then because now I miss carrying him. So there will be two people telling you two different things, and both of them will claim to have the same outcome. So you'll get conflicting opinions from peers, from advice, from the from uh maybe doing in searches on the internet. So it's best to trust the research. And just to add, uh, recently I heard that there's a concern among the medical community that sometimes there are websites that claim to be endorsed by certain experts in the medical field. They would use the names of certain people saying that they did this so-and-so research, they did this, and it's supporting whatever the product is or whatever they're selling, but it's actually not true. And especially now, there's this whole concern about uh, text or articles or content that is generated by artificial intelligence. And sometimes when we get content that's generated by artificial intelligence, it can be inaccurate. But when somebody makes a website, uses AI to create the content, and then formats it very well, is really smart about making sure that it comes up on search engines or puts it up on social media, makes it very nicely presented, it can be very misleading. So when you look at something on the internet, sometimes you don't even know if it was a real person behind that or whether it was a computer who wrote it. So imagine getting parenting advice from a computer. Now, what is another possible problem with taking on unsolicited advice? It's this. Each child is different. Each family is different. This is another reason why we don't just rely on testimonials when making our decisions because your situation may be different from the one giving the testimonial. Uh, this is something we were trained in, in medical school and also in our uh, pediatric residency training. When we look at the scientific evidence, we look for studies that show how they apply to people in similar situations as the patients we're working with. And that's the problem with a lot of parenting advice. They will claim that there, there's only one right way to do something. So for example, there are people who will insist that having a natural unmedicated birth is the only right way to give birth. And if you give birth any other way, you've failed or you're wrong. Or they will insist that 
The only way to get your baby to sleep is for your baby to be in her own room. Then you leave her for a set amount of time and you don't go back until a certain time. Then if you do anything else, you've failed and you're breeding bad sleep habits. I once talked to a mom who said, oh no, we're co-sleeping. I'm such a horrible parent because we're co-sleeping. And this is a very common belief. And when I was pregnant, I read many books that said that you you have to leave your baby alone in, in a room by themselves, which isn't recommended by pediatricians. Or you hear things like, the only right way to start solids is using baby-led weaning. So if you follow what they call traditional feeding and then you give a puree, you're being a bad mom. But the truth is, everyone's situation is different. So maybe you can read the books, you can look at the advice if you want to. Then just sit down and think, what will work for my family and our situation? It might be sleep training is the way you want to go. And then it helps you be a better parent. Or it might be you don't sleep well without your baby anyway. And you don't mind having broken sleep. And it will actually give you better peace of mind to have your baby beside you, in your room with you. And finally, consider your feelings and instincts. I believe our instincts are there for a reason. All throughout history, moms have been told to go against their own instincts. Decades ago, quote-unquote experts told moms that they should ignore their babies when they cry, otherwise their babies will be spoiled. And moms reported it was so difficult because it went against their instincts. Imagine their baby would be crying, and then their instinct is to go to their baby, then they would have to stop themselves from doing it. Now, fast forward to decades later, we have the technology to actually look at what's going on inside baby's brain, and it turns out mom instinct was right. Babies need to be held and cuddled. We need to respond to babies when they cry. It's all a part of what they call early relational health. It's an extremely important part of baby's development for future physical and mental health that we respond to them when they cry. So when you, we consider these three things, the research evidence, applying it to your situation, and considering your own intuition, the intersection of these three is the sweet spot. Now. All of this can feel complicated, like there are so many things to consider. I know, we are busy, we are tired, and this sounds like it's a lot of work and a lot of thinking. And that's why we are here at the Discerning Parenting Podcast. Because the research studies are quite technical. And another problem is often, the findings of research are misused in order to sell something. For example, I once saw an ad for a program that claims to make your baby smarter. They say it's proven by research and created by experts. So I went to the website. And you know what is the only fact that is in the website that is actually supported by research? The fact that the first two years are critical for baby's brain development. That's it. 
The website does not mention a single name of any expert and makes a lot of claims that as a developmental pediatrician, I find dubious. So sometimes there are websites that claim to be backed by research, but they actually just take one fact, but there's actually no support that that program actually works. And that's why I created the Discerning Parenting Podcast to make this decision-making process easier for you, to help you take the guesswork out of parenting and be your safe zone. So you're safe from fake news and misleading marketing, safe from judgment and criticism. We acknowledge that your unique situation is different, and we acknowledge the value of your parenting instinct. Now, interpreting research evidence is actually an entire course, and we've done that for you. So, you parent with more calm and joy and confidence. Now, I love hearing all the advice moms are given that doesn't make sense. So, send me a DM at Discerning Parenting on Instagram with the worst bit of advice that you've been given. And I'll share them in future podcasts and maybe look at what is the evidence behind them so we can all hear how silly some of them sound out loud. And if this episode has been valuable to you, follow this podcast, share it with a friend, and leave a five-star review so that the podcast will reach more parents who need it. Any information available at this podcast is intended for general guidance only and must never be considered a substitute for advice provided by a doctor, therapist, or other qualified medical professional.